Good evening. So if you were here about six weeks ago, Sonia and I were up on the same stage. Don't leave. This is not our official testimony, the one you heard. This is a teachimony tonight, so kind of a teaching with our, sto- our story or new parts of our story woven in. Um, so tonight we're talking on a topic that's near and dear to Sonia and I, and it's on, um, for men, leadership, and for women, it's completion. Uh, but before we get into the, the heavy part, um, by the way, we've been married 24 years. If you, if you were not here six weeks ago and have been part of this ministry for years and just love watching lives and families get changed. So there you go. Um, but before we get started with the material, uh, I grew up in Georgia, and if you're 47 years old or around my age, then you know a comedian named, named Jeff Foxworthy. He made a fantastic living with a comedy show where you might be a redneck if, okay? So in a parody of that, I'll um, kind of talk about leadership in this way. So you might have a leadership challenge if the sound of your wife doing the dishes requires you to turn the volume up on the TV. You would rather have a colonoscopy than have a quarterly budget discussion. Parenting, I worked hard the night we conceived. Some of you took a minute. Okay, ladies, for us, um, we might be controlling if our husband stands in line behind the kids to get his allowance each week. We lay out our husband's clothes for the last date night we planned. Our husband has deferred all parenting and discipline decisions to us. Last time he didn't follow our instructions, we put him in timeout. All right, no more laughing. This is serious. Um, so our, our, I just want to point out, our goal tonight is, um, is just to spur a conversation with you and your spouse or in you and your small group or you and your community group in terms of areas of hey, where am I not leading, or where can I lead better, and in what areas are, are we competing against each other for um, what God wants for our marriage. Um, so if you'll show a slide up here, tug of war. Sonia and I are up here tonight not because we're just killing it in leadership and completion. It's just we've, kind of, we've gone through um, this tug of war for 20 four years, much, much more early on in our marriage, much less, I'd say, in the past six or seven years. Um, so we're going to reference a tug-of-war, and this is, I think, is happening with a lot of us in this room, and we've led many re-engaged groups and see this, see this common. So, um, so I'll start with the guys. There's three broad categories of leadership that I see for men, and I'm talking about leadership in the home, not leading at, at our work. Um, so the first one is husbands that are leading according, according to Ephesians 5.25, and that they're loving their wives as Christ loved the church. You're a servant leader, and you've put your wife's needs above your own, and you've cast a clear vision for your marriage and for your family. Uh, the second style of leadership that we see is, hey, it's my way or the highway, all right? Um, thinking of your wife lesser than, than yourself. You've embraced Ephesians 5.22 and 5.23, which says, wives, submit to your husbands, but you've forgotten to read the rest of the passage where you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And the third leads a passive leader, um, best described as a man that is along for the ride and has turned the wheel of his family over to his wife um, for both the family and for the marriage. So regardless of your style of leadership, uh, I know this for certain, and, and 
that one day, guys, we will stand before God and we will be held accountable for our leadership. And we'll answer the question, how did you do loving this daughter of mine? Um, so our story, kind of my, for me, uh, my, my, my default style of leadership certainly falls into the area of passivity. Um, more so in the past than today, but certainly something that I have to keep a check on. Looking back over the past 24 years, there's no surprise that Sonia and I were in that tug of war, that picture you saw earlier. Um, I was leading just like my role models, what I saw modeled for me, and that is that work hard, make money, love your wife, get up the next day, work hard, make money, and that was my leadership style there. Um, so really with that, I deferred most of the day-to-day -day decisions in our marriage, in our family, and parenting to Sonia. Um, so I had no other men around me to speak truth into my life, uh, especially before Watermark. So I, the example that I give is that at work, I think of myself as, as Maximus from the movie Gladiator, where I'm just in charge, I've got a plan, and get out of my way or I'm gonna knock you down kind of guy. Um, but I knew exactly what I wanted to do. But at home, I would act like Ray Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, it's that aloof kind of goofy guy, like whatever. Um, so this pie chart illustrates uh, areas where the whole picture of, of, of leadership, now what's missing on this pie chart is leading self, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, spiritual leadership of self. But as you can see, we carved out two areas here. I, I was rocking and rolling in the career path, and I was rocking and rolling and having fun, all right, and having, helping our family have fun. But I was really missing it in parenting, finances, spiritual intimacy, and physical intimacy in terms of not leading well there. Um, and so basically what I was doing is I was neglecting 65% of my leadership role and only playing the things that I did well, which is work and have fun. So when I was young, there was a commercial, and we're dating ourselves here, but some of you are our age or older, so go with me. It started like this. It said, um, I can bring home the bacon fried up in a pan and never, ever let you forget you're a man. I'm a woman. And then who is it an ad for? Ajali. Very good. Um, about that same time, the movie 9 to 5 was playing with Dolly Parton. You guys remember all the women were, were working together to uh, dominate their boss. So the culture hasn't changed. If anything, it feels like it's gotten stronger. Uh, you look at TV sitcoms today, and the women are portrayed, the wives are portrayed as being very strong and intelligent, and many of the men are portrayed as idiots. So just a little bit, I was uh, an only child growing up and was very comfortable being in control and in charge and making my own decisions. Matt was the baby in his family, so he was used to being taken care of. So quite naturally, you can imagine our default pattern was me making the decisions and him being happy to uh, not have to think about those decisions. That worked really great the first couple of years of marriage. Um, the truth is, I have struggled my entire life with control, wanting to be in control or, or the illusion of being in control in every situation. Are you surprised I said that out loud? Uh, people that know me know that very well. Um, so in the early years, I tried to win that tug of war. And in a way, I, I think I was successful. However, I was left with this empty feeling inside. Looking back now, I think the reason is because we weren't living according to God's design for our marriage. By me pulling, uh, insisting, getting my own way, 
wasn't God's design. So about the seven-year mark, we hit a breaking point. Um, I even tried another relationship. Both of us knew something had to change. We committed to our marriage. We wanted to stay married, but we knew that everything had to change. But how? Um, So there was good news then, and there was bad news. The bad news first. I'm a daughter of Eve, as are every other female sitting in this room. Um, as daughters, we all want to control, and, or to, another way to say it is we want to rule over others, whether work situation or at home. Our husbands are often our closest targets, and then I would say, secondly, our children follow next because they're, they're both with us the most. So now the good news. Countless Bible studies, hours spent with older, wiser women, I learned some important things that changed my perceptions, took me from that nine to five um, dream that I had, the woman, the, the executive that I wanted to be, to the person I am now. And one of those things was just understanding that God created us with equal value. He wasn't better because God said he was the head. It was his position that, that just as in the military, there's a chain of command in corporations, there's a CEO who ultimately answers to a board. So Matt and, and all of our husbands were appointed by God in order, the buck stops, right? The buck stops with him. So understanding that helped me, helped me a lot that it was his position that I was to honor and respect. And it didn't really matter how I felt about whether he was worthy to be respected or not. That was a huge shift for me and one I am so thankful that the Lord showed me. Um, it also just allowed me, it allowed Matt to lead. Um, as he began leading, I understood I was not, I was submitting to God. Uh, I, was, I was submitting as unto the Lord, which seemed much safer to me than submitting to a broken man. So we both made changes that involved me letting go of the rope so that Matt could pick it up. Some of the changes were easy to recognize. Uh, example, just changing my words, my tongue, softening my tongue. I tend to be very direct, and I would hurt his feelings without trying, just by being direct. Other things took a little longer, attitudes, uh, actually deferring to his opinion over mine, thinking that he actually may have wisdom that I don't have. And then the end of that train was leading with God's word instead of leading with my emotions. So I'd like to just share a couple of examples about how God has changed me through this process in addition to what I just shared. Two things that we continue to share because as we share them, they become more and more a part of us. And this is good for our marriage. I'm glad y'all are here, but that really this is about us growing in our marriage. Just kidding. Um, The first one is just when Matt has an idea, me responding positively with sure. Uh, I tend to be someone who likes to plan. I don't like last minute things. Very difficult for me to change plans. And God has grown me so much in this. So now Matt has a last minute idea. Let's have a family fun night on Friday night and jump in the pool. Uh, My initial inclination is to go, I don't want to do that. I just want to relax. So initially, sure. Like, that's a great idea. And then if I have, oh, but it's really cold outside and the pool water is cold, or I'm really tired, or I have a headache, I'm able to communicate whatever my reasons may be for not wanting to do that, but then ending with, but I'll do it. And so just bending a little bit and being more flexible is one way that God has grown me. And then the secondly, 
Uh, And this is one I would encourage you to try. Uh, Before the night's over, if you can, the phrase, I could be wrong about that. So the first time, few times that I used it, it felt like gravel coming out of my mouth (laughs) because I really think I am right most of the time. However, um, I just spent some time with my 90-plus-year-old grandfather, and I was reminded of the fact that we're all going to lose our minds at some point. <laughs> and we all are, could be wrong. We're going to forget things. And so just pr- saying, here's what I think, but I could be wrong about that, is a great way. It crushes my pride and just produces humility. So I'd encourage you to use it. So Matt and I rarely look at any situation through the same lens. We're two different people from two different families. This is a good thing. I used to think this was a bad thing and notice all the differences, but it was part of God's design for us. So as I attempt to complete him or fill in his weaknesses, um, at the end of the day, I can just trust God that, that God has given Matt what he needs to lead our family. Today, our marriage has been transformed. I would argue we don't, we don't tug very often, maybe once or twice a year. Um, I'll, I'll get a wild hair. But um, just observe that as I let go of the rope, Matt picked it up. It wasn't that he wasn't leading. It was that I was not allowing him uh, the gift. I wasn't giving him the gift of leadership. Uh, if I was single and met Matt today, I would marry him. I would choose him all over, but for totally different reasons. In college, I just thought he was hot. But now he is an unselfish and generous man um, who leads others. I'm hot now, but in a different sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first time she said I could be wrong with that, I was like, say what? <laughs> who are you? Uh, that was great, babe. So let's talk, guys, just about, about leadership and, and just ways to start. Um, and so just understanding that we have 20 minutes up here, maybe 23 minutes. We can't talk about a leadership conference right here. So let's, um, let's talk about zoom in on two ways where we can begin to lead in our family. And maybe you're already doing this. Um, but I'll just talk about two ways that I began to lead in our family, which produced great results. First thing, and this is not part of the two ways, is it's just self-leadership and just committing time and prayer and the word. And when I'm not doing that, it's a different result than when I'm doing that consistently and how I lead my family. Um, but two areas where we want to zoom in, and one is initiating with your wife. And the second way we're going to talk about leadership is leadership through conflict resolution. Two very broad categories, but let's just zoom in on a couple of those. So um, let's talk about initiation. Initiation is to set going by taking the first step. Uh, I know most guys that I know, including myself, are hardwired to win. We want to win. And so we play to our strengths and we ignore our weaknesses. If we can't win, we don't really want to engage in it, or we want to take the ball and just kind of go home and and not play. So I believe the lie that in order for me to lead Sonia, I had to be an expert in whatever that topic was. I had to know more than her. I had to have studied up more than her. And that's just simply, it's not possible because she's amazing. Um, so unless the topic was corporate insurance, which is my career, I was out of luck. Um, the truth is that she was not looking for me to be an expert, a situational expert, a subject matter expert. She just wanted me to initiate. And so three key, key areas where I began to initiate, which made a great difference, was initiating in spiritual leadership. Um, 
this woman has been studying her Bible since the day she learned to read, all right? Um, I kind of thought, how in the world can I, can I lead her spiritually? And what, even, what does that mean, right? In an area that she was so much further ahead of, ahead of me in scripture memory, just understanding of God's word. And really, she was not looking for me to teach her the, the Greek or Hebrew version of scripture. She just wanted me to have a conversation with her, to initiate prayer with her, to tell her where I was growing in my life and, um, and just what God was doing day to day. Um, so with one area, guys, is just initiate spiritually um, and start with praying with your bride tonight. And the second area is around money. Uh, I did a real good job based on my standard for making money, providing for our family, working hard. Um, but I just kind of set it up to where I'd make it and turn everything over to her because she loves to create spreadsheets and create and crunch numbers. And I hate that stuff. Um, I mean, today she still crunches numbers and does a spreadsheet. But for me, I need to initiate on a frequent basis as to how are we doing with our plan, with our giving? How are we doing with our savings? Are we taking on any debt that I don't know about? Um, and just kind of talking through things. So initiating consistently in finances. And the last area for initiation of the three we're going to talk about today is in parenting. And this was a huge game changer for us in our marriage. So no doubt being a parent is, it's a blessing, it's a gift from God, it's a lot of work, okay? By the time that we had had our third child, our hands were full, all right? And my style of parenting was to parent, I was just winging it, right? I was parenting the way that I thought that my parents parented me with my own little minor modifications on it would, be, would create the best outcome for me. And the best word picture for this I can think of is that picture me like a quarterback not Dak Prescott, but a quarterback that had never taken a snap in a practice, that had never read the playbook, and every time I approached the line of scrimmage, I called an audible. I just made it the play. And the defense, picture three kids, were trying to find every avenue they could to get through the offensive line and take down the quarterback. And with my inconsistency of not having a plan put together, and I, they were sacking the quarterback a lot, let me say that. And that was creating a lot of division and conflict within our marriage. And quite frankly, I wasn't leading well because I just didn't have a plan. So after seeking counsel from a lot of wise men, including our friend John McGee here, um, and guys that were just doing it well, getting into a series of parenting classes um, and just engaging in frequent discussions with Sonia around how do we do this better, um, we got on the same page in parenting. And that put me in a situation where I could lead through that part of our marriage and our family versus just defaulting everything over to her. So thankful he did that. Um, so ladies, we're gonna talk for just a minute um, about control, kind of what it is, what it looks like. Uh, the what it is is just trying to be in charge. Uh, the what does it look like? Just some questions, and we're sending you home with these as well. Um, do we demand? This may look like arguing with our spouse or maybe looking for more subtle ways at home to get what we want. Do we manipulate? And by that we mean there's lots of different ways that we can manipulate. It might be through the silent treatment. You know, I'm kind of withdrawing my presence from you. It could be withholding affection, just physical affection, sexual affection. Um, or even more subtle than that is this attitude of, hey, this 50-50 marriage thing. Like if you do this, then I'll do that. Or if you don't do this, then I'm not going to do that. It's all manipulation. Do we yell? 
because we all know that when we get louder, the other person can hear us better, right? <laughs> yes, I can tell we don't, we know. Um, do we direct our husbands and tell them how? This happened to us a lot in the early years with, with babying. I would tell them how to, di- how to change the kid's diaper and how to brush their hair and how to do, how to do these things where instead of um, whatever. Uh, finally, are we distant? Do we keep an emotional distance in order to have the upper hand in the relationship? I've been guilty of all five of those. So when we're looking to change sin patterns, we have to go for the heart. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our hearts because out of it flow all the issues of life. Um, Also in Matthew 6.45, it says that good flows out of a good heart and evil flows out of an evil heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we just have to consider, this is for all of us, uh, when, when hurtful things come out of our mouths, we're forced to, to examine our hearts. And here in Reengage, when we say, draw the circle around yourself and work on everything inside the circle, what we're talking about is doing the hard heart work. All right, so the first way, just the first, the, the first way was, was initiating with our spouse and find ways to... Uh, Initiate. Second way that I mentioned earlier is just is leadership by handling conflict. Um, so I like to use word pictures and ask the question. So what what does a river and a flood have in common? What's the common element? Water. That's right. Uh, a river brings life. Uh, people want to vacation around rivers. They want to be around rivers. They they grow crops and they spend a lot of money to build houses out there and and it brings life um, and joy. Um, a flood brings destruction, brings death and pain and hurt. Um, and so I just think through and how we engage in leading our family through conflict and leading us through conflict. You know, am I a river um, where I am using conflict to glorify God, or am I a flood where I'm just doing severe damage and further and further digging a wedge, driving a wedge between the two of us here? Um, so the obvious statement is there's no such thing as a conflict-free marriage. You know, think through the last time you guys had conflict. I mean, last month, yesterday on the way up here, if you're honest, you can raise your hand. Um, it, it's, it's, we, we, we come from different families, obviously. We're from different states. I'm a man. She's a woman. I'm from Georgia. She's from Alabama. And yet we expect to always get along. I mean, James 4.1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires within you? We all have our own desires. It's in, in some cases, they're sinful. But um, So an example of, of for us in, um, in leadership through conflict is that a recipe for us to get into conflict would be having in-laws or a parent visit for an extended amount of time um, and stay with us for an extended amount of time. And you know, about the fourth night, maybe this might or might not have happened. Um, I think everything's great. And Sonia gets really angry, and I'm thinking, what in the world, you're a crazy woman. What did I do? Everything's going great. My mom's here, right? How can that be bad? Mom's here. Um, And we love to have arguments about 10 o'clock at night, right when we're tired, and realizing we were escalating, and we just said, look, let's just call a timeout. We need to go to bed, and let's, let's resolve this tomorrow. For me to be a leader in the family, I had to be the one to take that on. I didn't think I was wrong, but... 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. She, there was something wrong. 
And I couldn't just fight with her and tell her she was crazy. I had to take the leadership and the initiative to say, let's get to the bottom of what's going on. So we take what's called a conflict walk around the neighborhood, and we just talk side by side, and we practice the speaker-listener technique. Um, Our kids often, they don't hear us fight, but they know when we're sideways. Um, And we we come back from the walk, they say, are you guys done with your conflict walk? Um, (laughs) But it gives them a chance to have a front-row seat to watch mom and dad biblically process conflict and that they can understand that it's okay to be in conflict. This is me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, as leaders of our house, we need to change the way we view conflict uh, from something to be avoided at all cost, but as an opportunity to glorify God. It doesn't mean go start conflict, but how we, how we process conflict defines our leadership and how we glorify God. Uh, a lot of guys look at me like I'm crazy when I say that, but it's true. Um, a large part of our leadership can be defined in a manner that we, and how we handle conflict with our spouse. Um, it brings us closer together rather than tearing us apart. And we haven't always done it this way, um, but it's certainly an area we have made huge strides um, in our marriage. So James 1.19 is uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It's just a great formula for us. Okay, we're wrapping up. Um, so Matt and I just wanted to be really clear that we're not sitting um, up here thinking that we're doing anything perfectly. Uh, we're very much just figuring things out. And just this past weekend, I went to a uh, counseling conference, and I went to a session on emotional abuse. And some of the things that they were talking about, I actually looked at and went, "Ooh, we do some of those things to each other. And I was convicted that um, when we got home that there were just some things I wanted to talk about, specifically in the area of just creating a safe place to not agree and to be able to voice um, our feelings and thoughts. And I think early in our marriage, our identities were so tied in each other that we couldn't even disagree without somebody's feelings getting hurt or someone getting angry. So um, just an area that we're continuing to grow. Um, But this is something to celebrate right? We're continuing to grow. We are just, we are, our hope is to excel further still. And uh, today I feel like there's many more wins in our marriage than there are losses. In closing, we're sending you guys home with a card. Um, One's for husbands and one's for wives. And and as I started tonight, the point with tonight is not to say, here's 23 minutes of leadership and completion, slap you on the bottom and say, now go get them, tiger. Um, it is to begin to facilitate a discussion with your spouse. And so we just kind of gave you a kind of a cheat sheet, um, things you can talk through with your small group or with your wife so, or, or spouse. Thank you guys for letting us talk tonight.